Okay, hi everyone, I'm Isabel Cripps and thanks for joining me because this is the first in the series of the Cutlery Club Conversations and I'm going to take my guest, who I will introduce you to in a moment, through um, a first, second and third course of questions relating to their work, who they are as a person and then finally, a little bit more sweet stuff, their relationship with food. So in the unlikely event of time being on our side, we may even have a food fight, but let's see what happens because um, I think instinctively I know that these things are predictably unpredictable and I don't have a very good track record for keeping things on track, but potentially my guest might. Okay, so my guest today interviewed me for his podcast last year working with humans and in this very same spot actually in his lovely lush garden and at points throughout this podcast you may even hear Lee the gardener in the background I'm telling you about the gardener because I think that Matt will probably claim that all of the work in the garden is his handiwork and I'm just going to blow that myth out of the <laughs> okay so um, it was at the time that you interviewed me for your podcast that I started thinking about doing the Cutlery Club supper salons and you inspired me to do that which was the reason I wanted you to be my first guest at the uh, the salons and why I wanted you to be my first podcast uh, guest because if it hadn't been for you I wouldn't be doing this podcast you know I hate being in front of the camera, so this suits me perfectly. So, let me introduce you, everybody, to Matt Phelan. I'm going to do that, because there's no one else Hello, to everyone. do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, for the sake of, uh, hopefully, a potential audience, Matt, that doesn't know you, yeah. give us, in a nutshell, what you do for a living, and yeah. why I tend to refer to you as this brilliant and ethical entrepreneur. Oh, well, I don't know if I can answer all of that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say I identify with my first sort of career, which is I sort of identify first as a farmer. Farmer? Um, yes, which is why if you turn up on that little garden, that means I'll be chucked out of the Phelan family. <laughs> oh, God, that's hysterical. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Oh, we're not fam- editing. Yeah, no, <laughs> My family um, are Irish immigrants, um, and my dad uh, grew up in Brixton. Uh, and his dream was to be a farmer, so he, I suppose it was an early form of a Weber Spoons, they would find a really rough area um, and they would turn a pub into a place that his mum would drink, that was his, that was his philosophy, um, but, and everyone used to drink, they used to joke, like every time you had a pint, they'd be like, you were just, you buying like the f- uh, 0.0 of an acre of the farm that this guy, that's, <laughs> that's what he wants to do, yeah. um, so my two, uh, one of their pubs, um, was in a place called Dagenham, yeah, um, which is where my uh, sisters were born. Um, but at their, the point just before I was born, that's when my dad had been able to switch careers to be a farmer. Right, okay. Which is a bit he of a weird one. He realised his dream. Yeah, because he didn't know anything about farming. Okay. Um, but that's growing up in Brixton. That's what he wanted. He wanted to be out <laughs> in the green. Um, and 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 he found a business model uh, with with my mum. They were business partners to do that together. Amazing. Um, so yeah, I identify as a farmer first, and then I sort of trained as a marketer, and then through the data and the digital side of that, um, I got into the human side of using data in what we do. Right. So yeah. that's that's a long and 
long story of how Yeah, because I view you in that kind of techie... Um, you refer to yourself as a geek, yeah. but I don't view you in a geeky way because yeah. you probably don't fit that image of a geek. But um, interesting, because I didn't know that about your mum and dad, and yet I hear yeah. lots about them. But that's... But that's techies because like one of our shared friends Val she's yeah. a, a, a big gardener yeah but building technology and building like something that you're growing on the farm is it's, it's really similar yeah like it's code it's yeah. like coding and developing like what's going to be in the garden or what's going to be in your field or what you're going to grow it's, it's actually a similar process yeah and, and now most lot, people wouldn't think of it like and there's that. a lot of failure in that yeah. like if you speak to a lot of gardeners that gardeners yeah. they always tell you about the it's like gamblers isn't it they always yeah. tell you about their successes yeah but you don't necessarily hear about all the sprouts <laughs> yeah that <Like> never grew <laughs> i've had a few uh, disasters this year but anyway that's another story okay so the, the influence of your father must have been quite strong in your life so Observing your father and re- realising his dreams and then obviously moving on to now realising your own, what do you think makes a great boss? Um, I think the phrase that, um, that my dad uses, because when you go up on a farm, the boardroom is the kitchen table. Yeah. So it's normal um, for, um, for business discussions to be at the business table. And so I grew up in that environment. So I, like, I always joke, I've been going to a county meeting since I was two years old. Because yeah. my, my dad's accountant, he became my accountant, right. he would come in and they would do the accounts while we're there having breakfast. So I was exposed from that yeah. really early. But it's, um, it started as my dad's dream, but it is my mum's as well. So I have to include her yeah, yeah. in that. Behind Which every is, good man is a great woman. Yeah, and then they are 50-50 business yeah, partners. Yeah, it's wonderful. And um, what they their phrase was, which well, I said it's a bit outdated now, was every single person that you employ, because they did employ people, you've only got one job, which is to help them better themselves. Right. Um, so I, I think better yourself is an outdated, slightly outdated. Yeah. So I've adapted that to be improved. Yeah. So that's what I learned. And... I don't see employment as contractual. So if I, I see you as part of like my wider, I don't know what I would call it, maybe alumni. So I don't say, okay. I don't think of like my, the people that I employ directly as my employees. Yeah. I see as all a big network that are all working together on things that we find interesting. Great. And sometimes people will work with you for five years or something and then they won't. Like I first met you at United House yeah. at the bus works. Yeah. Um, and then we sort of worked there together. Yeah. We've done some stuff through podcasts and things yeah. like that. So I just, I, I've got a more looser, I suppose in marriage terms you call it an open relationship. <laughs> yeah. In, and you apply that to In, in yeah. work, and work and business, yeah. I think it's all about people coming together on stuff they're passionate and vision. Yeah. We've got vision, shared visions and purpose, which is why I think people get a bit lost in the saying, oh, this company needs a purpose, and we get a bit confused about it. Whereas mm-hmm. I think it's a bit more chilled than that, which is, people should come together on the things that they're passionate about and share visions. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. It, well, it does because of, I know that I know how you treat people and I've observed the way you are with the team that you work with. So, so what would you say then has changed um, in the period that you've had these two businesses because you're now running your second successful business? Yeah. What would you say has changed about the way you manage? Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely more chilled. Right. I'm, and I'm definitely more inclusive. Because, inclusive. That's, yeah. See, that's how I would describe you. Yeah, because 
when we started the first one, we were 25 years old, so we just rolled out of Party World into London Party World, yeah. and my first business, Four Peds, we it was like that saying of the time, which is work hard, play hard, mm. and people came to that company that wanted to have that. They wanted to work really long hours, um, achieve some really cool stuff, like we did some groundbreaking yeah. things, yeah. but also then we would be partying like yeah. three or four nights a week. Yeah which was great and we got commended for that but that changed as we became parents yeah like my business partner and I and I realized once I became a parent myself that by having that strong emphasis we we're also the opposite to inclusive right because I don't I, I think there could have been some great people out there that might have been um, single working mums yeah that may not have been attracted to our environment right so in the latter stage of the first business we started putting things in like freshers um, and, and, and uh, places for children mm. to play and stuff like that. So it's annoying that you have to learn that, but I was, I was reading something the other day around, um, it was to do with religion basically, mm. and, um, and it's, it was Phil Jackson who, um, if you've, anyone's watched The Last Dance, um, yeah, which is I a Netflix have. documentary, yeah, he yeah. was uh, Michael Jordan's coach yeah. and then Kobe Bryant's yeah, coach. Yeah, it's brilliant. And it, he was, it's not a religious statement, it's just a little religious observation. Mm. He was talking to his friend who's Islamic and they were talking about whether they believed in God. Yeah. And the Islamic guy was saying to him that no, um, God doesn't have any grandchildren. And the reason I thought that was a really good yes. point yeah. is that experience doesn't have any grandchildren yeah. or children. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I would like to think that I had empathy for parents because I had parents and they yeah. were working parents and blah, blah, blah. But it took me going through that experience myself mm. to be enlightened to think... Yeah. Geez, I didn't realise that there's... Yeah. And once I went through the parent thing, it opened up all the other areas of inclusivity, inclusivity yeah. um, that I hadn't potentially... Tapped, looked, in, tapped or looked into. at. Well, yeah. the, the, you know, there's nothing like real experience of your own to broaden your mind. Mm. That is part of the wonderful thing about getting older. You get that wonderful the wisdom, yeah. you know? Okay, so what age do you envisage retiring? Well, that's a good question. Never is the answer. Oh, I, I did think you'd say that. I, I was a, really curious about this one. It's the, it's the same as both my parents in the fact that um, that is what I was lucky enough to be learned is to, to find the thing that you're passionate about. Yes. That's why I told that story yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. And I just, I love, I love what we're uncovering mm. here. Like, what, um, uh, like one of our shared fri- friends... Norris Windross or yeah. Norris Debus yeah. Windross. Yeah, and we were just we were talking about this, which is the importance of it. Like, and you have to find that yourself, can't you? And yeah, that's what yeah. schools are. Yeah. I don't like slating schools because schools have got a hard job, haven't they, mm-hmm. to do to educate yeah, lots of yeah. people. But there's not enough in there about finding what your passion no. is and, and there finding isn't. the things that you're interested in. So mm-hmm. I say that I don't want to slate it because. Everyone's got an idea on how you can run a school, yeah. just like how everyone has an idea on how you can improve a podcast yeah. or your business or whatever. Sure. So I always try and not be the person who throws stones, but I do think there's a, there's more room for the passion discussion yeah. within I schools. I think there's a missing link. Yeah. And yeah, it's about encouraging people to understand that you can be very happy and work can be your passion. Yeah. You know, because that old school mentality doesn't encourage that, but we are in a new age now. Yeah. So, yeah, that's wonderful. I, I anticipated that you would answer like that, and I feel exactly the same, you yeah. know. Okay, so, we're going to move on to the second course, because yeah. I'm going to try and keep us on track. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
There's a new one for me. <laughs> right, so we're going to dig a bit deeper now, Matt. And so sit up, shoulders back, deep yeah, breath. Let's see, that's the, old, um, that's the old fitness bit coming through. Yeah. So in your podcast interview with me, you did some things that I absolutely loved. And you, you described me, okay, as... I think it was something like this force of energy and you were curious as to where I got all my energy from. And then you did this really cute thing, which was you said about the poo, you know, characters. And you said that I was like Tigger out winning the poo. And I really <laughs> liked that. I thought, oh, that's quite good. As long as I'm not Eeyore, which you also highlighted. I would probably describe you in that same way. And I want to know, even though I don't want to copy your questions, but they were quite good. Um, where do you get your energy from? It's a good question. It's something that um, Pat Fay and I talk about. So Pat's a creative director, yeah. who I would put yeah. in that Tigger group. Yeah. Um, I'm aware of what sucks my energy yeah. as well. So I, the reason I'm friends with you is I gravitate to you because you're a positive person. Yeah. I do remove myself from, my, from negative situations. Yeah. So I do follow the energy. Yeah. So um, I'm... I'm my first coaching session, session because you do coaching. Yeah, I'm a massive believer in coaching, and, and I've mm. had it since I was 25, yeah. and I will never stop it because yeah. I think it's really important right. to have that that time. Mm. Um, that we were taught is to listen to our bodies. Yeah. Um, and I've got so much better at doing that, and that and that's energy, that's everything. Yeah. Um, and even to the point like working with Jana, who you know on the mental yeah. fitness and mental yeah. health stuff. I will say, I will say to my family, I need to go for a run for my mental health. Yeah, it's become part of our conversation, yeah. and, e- and even at work now, like it's just totally normal for us to say to someone else, "How's your mental health? How's your mental yeah. fitness?" Yeah. So I'm aware of my own, and it, and I do manage it. So, mm. but I also know when to disappear. Yeah. So just to give you an example, my business partner Chris and I, we had some very stressful periods when we were building the business up, when we were selling it, we were integrating it. We would just say to each other, like I remember Chris saying to me, "I can't do that presentation today. Can you just do it?" Such because, honesty. Yeah. Um, so we were aware of it. Yeah. Um, and you work as a team, don't you? So. Well, if you allow that honesty, you do. Yeah. Yeah. But I do. I'm also very disciplined on technology. Yeah. Uh, most a lot of people know me through the technology world. Yeah. But other people would also know that when I go on holiday, I don't take my phone with me, mm-hmm. and people think I'm joking. Like there's no, no I know. way. There's yeah. no way. I like I give people my. Um, people that I wish phone number, mm. um, but that's it. Like, there's no way of contacting me and I need that. And I know that when I come back, I'm a different person to the person who went away. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've observed that discipline in you. I must say, it's very admirable. And I think it's very, very hard to be like that, you know, because it's hard to disconnect, but it's brilliant if you do, yeah. for your mental well-being. I, th- I think it's like anything like, like, again, I mentioned Chris, my business partner, I remember, it's a choice, but you've got to be ready for the choice, isn't it? It's like anything, like if you want to give up smoking, give up alcohol, anyone can decide yeah. to do it, yeah. but you've got to be at that point where yes. you really want to do really it, not like to. you kind of want to do yeah. it. No, it can't be half-hearted, because you just fall. You set yourself up to fail yeah. if your mind, mental state's not in that right position. Okay, so I would describe you um, as someone that's incredibly engaged, very, very approachable, um, and I'm interested to know if that's something that you've cultivated or if it's something that is like a natural disposition. Yeah. Well, it's two, I've got two answers. Yeah. <laughs> because I know that, like, for example, happiness is 50% DNA. Yeah. So 
I look like my dad, but I'm like my mum. Right. Um, so I've got my mum's personality, and she is like that. Yeah. But again, I always go back to the farming thing, which is you when you working for everything's part of an ecosystem, isn't it? Yeah. So you kind of see that bigger picture, don't you? Like, mm-hmm. I find it really weird when you pick up a newspaper and you see the local politician, whatever they're called, councillor, yeah. and there's normally, they're normally standing next to a roundabout where people have dumped some rubbish, and they're standing by that d- rubbish, yeah. complaining about yeah. it for the photo opportunity and in, in whatever it yeah. is. And I always just think, well, why don't you, you, the time it's taken you to find the press and get these people down here for this photo. The, the, these seven people that are all in this photo could have cleaned it up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I think that comes from a fun thing of knowing that yeah. if you don't Being do a that, doer. like if, the, if there's a load of like plastic in a, in a field that some sheep were grazing in, just, you know yeah. that those sheep are gonna ingest yeah. that and they're gonna die. So you just, you just, mm. like you don't have, it's again, it goes back to the passion thing because people find it weird because I go back to the farm on, for Christmas, I will be working on Christmas day because guess what? Animals need to be fed on Christmas yeah, Day, course. just like you. So and you just go straight back to you, you just feel like that's part of... Yeah, and, I, and I think that's a natural... Like, I think the way that we raise children now is unnatural. Yeah. Because if you look at a, a, a tribe, which is how we should live, you've got grandparents that would, do, that would help out with the parenting, and then the parents would go and do their yeah, hunting and gathering and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I think the way we live in cities of, mm. like, normally two partners, and they might have 1.2 children or mm. whatever... And I just don't think the way that we set up is natural. Mm, okay, interesting. So, you're from that then, from that question, you it is a natural disposition with you. You think it is in your DNA. I think it's. I think it's a bit of both. I yeah. think it's. Um, but you have this great awareness. So I suppose with awareness, you can cultivate those things, can't you? You can be get. You can become better and and like as you say, more inclusive yeah. through knowledge and awareness. Okay, so I'm going to take you back to the Cutlery Club um, supper salon. Um, I don't like just referring it to it as a supper because it is a salon because there's debate and there's interesting yeah, conversation. Yeah. So that was a while back now before... When was we, that? It was in January. It was the was end it? of January, yeah. So it was before this crazy COVID stuff started happening. Yeah. So what I want to know is what did you enjoy most about that evening? Because um, you were our guest speaker. Yeah. But you still before, I mean, because you spoke for a, a period of time, but before you had time to meet, what, what did you take away from it? Um, the thing I've been thinking about, not that, but it's connected to that, which is the connection between the people. You'd obviously brought together a group of people that all naturally were all different, mm. like even from a diversity perspective, I'm talking age. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Cameron was there, who was probably 15, 16. And then we had, I don't know what the upper range was, but mm. probably... 83. 83, okay. Mm. So like 70 years between the She'll kill me for saying that. This <laughs> is right, but... But there's different nationalities, yeah. different... Yeah. Um, ethnic backgrounds. Ethnic backgrounds, but all people with a similar energy that yeah. wanted to come. And so you, it just felt like, it, it's really weird. It felt like people who all, all look different, but you could naturally just speak to. Yeah. Um, so I think you'd obviously put a lot of effort into the group of people that you brought together. Yeah. And that, and that's just what I remember, the energy of, of the evening. Because no, sometimes that's a great you go thing to stuff remember. and you're a bit like, it just doesn't feel right, or like, oh, I'd rather be in front of the sofa yeah, or whatever. Absolutely. But it just yeah. felt like, 
felt seamless. And yeah, just thank nice. you. Thank you. Yeah, that's always my intention. Yeah. And I so do, that's conscious. I'm going to ask you a bit, question then. Yeah. So you think about that, do you? Yeah, it's a conscious thing. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't take any chances generally. I, I really want the energy in the room to just feel good and positive. Yeah. And even if you've got the shyest person there, I want them it to be inclusive, yeah. you know? So there's no pressure on anyone to speak or contribute, but to feel relaxed and come away feeling like they've met some interesting people. Yeah. So on that note, you, um, you, it was your idea that we have Cameron Phillips, who actually was 17. He was, oh, no, he was 17 the next week, apparently. Yeah, because yeah, he was, yeah, it was definitely just 17. So he was the youngest guest yeah. we've ever had around the table. Now, remember, I haven't done these for a long time. They yeah. started in the 90s. But he was the youngest guest, and it was your insistence you actually, I think you said to me, I'll only be a guest speaker if Cameron comes. Yeah. And I thought that was wonderful because, you know, you're, you, you clearly are someone that inspires young people. What was your reason for wanting to have him there? Well, firstly, I've met him via you and I yeah. knew he was part yeah. of the group that you would consider. But I suppose, again, it goes back to what I said earlier, like I've been going to a council meeting since I was two years old. Yeah. And I think, again, it goes back to about a tribe and how you... It would be weird in a tribe, wouldn't it, to exclude young people, yeah. old people, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'm a, I, I just feel like, and I don't mean like family in 2.4 children mm. way, I mean it in a, a normal meetup with full range of different yeah. ages yeah. feels more natural. Mm. Um, but So I've been influenced that way and grown up that way, but also, like, I went, I just got back from um, Shanghai and Beijing before then, and I didn't bring. Um, coronavirus with me <laughs> no one in the room had got it <laughs> after that so you're fine <laughs> um, but um, I met this guy there Femi he was 14 um, and he was one of the speakers along with me on this trade mission uh, me and all these like unicorns and, like billion pound yeah. companies high up officials like British amb- like some British ambassador guy was there like all these like yeah. big big people and he um, he was like 14 um, he he's a mixed race kid from South London. He he's got Tourette's. So there's loads of things that you could think like this guy's got this going yeah. against him yeah. type stuff. But he is a founder of this massive global network of developers and coders. Incredible. That um that just do so much around the world. And again, we touched on the education piece, and I look back and think. So I, I did A-levels badly and I did university averagely. Yeah. I would have probably been better on a different career path. Yeah. Um, because I, I learned later in life that I loved learning but hated school. So, yeah, I, I, hated, so I hated school, before I, which meant I thought I hated learning. Yeah. But total opposite. Completely. Like now, I can't read enough mm. about like Rome or ancient yeah. Egypt. Like no. a, but I just didn't like being in a classroom. Yeah. Which is probably why we're doing this outdoors. Yeah, now. when you're a lovely garden. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just... One, I just think he's a great guy. But two, I think it brings diversity. It, and, and I don't yeah. think these these events should be closed no, shops. I totally agree. And I'm, I was, I'm really glad that we had him there. Because he did contribute. Yeah, he did. And, um, and people spoke really positively about him. Um, so when you're looking at young men like that, and we're talking about these things that they're faced with now, like Cameron's faced with, you know, this, these choices of university degree as opposed to um, like an apprenticeship placement within a, a firm somewhere. Um, it's interesting that you say that you didn't do your A-levels very well and you, you were average at uni. Yeah. 
And what would you then say to someone, a young person like of Cameron's age, yeah. what would be your advice? Well, the first thing is you, your, your results, they're just not the be all end all. And I put ex, uh, experience in with like the opposite to a capital E with right. explanation marks around it, which is just go and do everything. Yeah. Like go and work in a bar, uh, volunteer somewhere, go go travelling when we can, yeah. get out, make loads of mistakes, try and start a company that doesn't work. But just try so much stuff. Yeah. Like get out, meet people, just get out of yeah. work, whatever your environment is. And even in this world now, where we're having to communicate virtually, I was speaking to thousands of people, presenting to thousands of people in Hong Kong the other day. Yeah. So you can still network globally yeah. from your room. So I would just say to anyone meet as many people as you can yeah like if i if i'd gone back to like 16 to 21 the one thing that i didn't do which i wish i'd done which because i didn't even know they existed yeah um and i'm sure there's different forms of now like trade shows exhibitions conferences yeah. they're all virtually attend them all yeah like just yeah. go like it, let's advice. say you want to be in farming join a join a digital online farming network yeah. if you want to go into technology there's loads of technology meetups. Join them, meet the people yeah. in them, just ask questions and learn and, and just build your right and, and not a network in the boring, oh, I'm a business person no. way. No. Just meet loads of interesting people. I think you advice. actually told, you gave him that advice when, when he came and spent an afternoon with you yeah. um, because I had a discussion with him after and I, that was, it was, it was great advice. Yeah, I told him to buy some shares with his pocket money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you weren't close. Um, what when you were at that age, sort of that seventeen, eighteen, around that that time, what did you find most difficult or challenging in your life? Not necessarily relating to schooling, but what did you find challenging? Um, my, I consciously, um, it sounds really weird to gen, genderize this, but I consciously. Um, spent more time with girls right. at that point not yeah. because I was trying to play <laughs> yeah okay alright right. Liz, Liz is out of earshot <laughs> everything's okay <laughs> I consciously did it because I looked around at all my mates who were just pissing around yeah. who didn't give a shit about anything and then because I got into sixth form I was suddenly there was loads of girls who were very conscientious and, and dedicated and worked yeah. and I thought I need to hang out with these people more um, because I my I was so distracted all the time. Right, like, okay. I'd just follow whatever, and then yeah. I just because that happens in schools, isn't it? Like boys yeah. don't really. I, yeah. I love the fact that I went to a, a, a mixed gender school. Mm. I know there's pros and cons for your children going to um, all boys and all girls, but yeah. I, I'm massively for again going back to that, making it more like yeah. a tribe. Yeah. I think it, you should mix up boys and girls, yeah. and there are problems and good stuff about that, but. I knew that I was getting distracted and I just thought I need to hang out with these people. That's so I started hanging that's out. That's incredibly mature to work that out because it's hard. But then that, that actually, once again, taps into this discipline that you have. It's like leaving the phone when you go away. Yeah, yeah. So it is in your DNA to recognise really what's better for you. But I think I do, again, back, I think it's 50% nurture. I think yeah. a farming background. It's, yeah. it's things like... You, when you've got animals on a farm and you've got the, the troughs that they drink water from, you don't have you you have to have the discipline to check them mm, of course. on a regular basis. Yeah. If, you, if they don't, if that water gets source yeah. gets blocked up, they die. Mm. So I think you you have to learn 
havoc stuff. And massive responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my, one of my dad's worst and best technique is to never ask you to do anything. Right. So he would never ask you to do anything. So you would learn by the fuck. Okay, so yeah, swearing. yeah, no, no, that's it. Um, yeah, and it's... no matter how much you would say, like, let's say you forgot to do something and there mm. was a massive effort, you, I would always argue with him. I would say, well, you didn't tell me to do that. And he would say, I shouldn't have shouldn't, to tell shouldn't you. Shouldn't have to. Um, so he never, ever micromanaged me. That's good, as, though, because it, it develops your, your sense of obligation. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'm all for that. And, you know, I do that myself. So how do you, because you run this successful business, and I see how committed you are to it, which is, is, is amazing, and I lo- like it goes back to your energy again. How do you overcome self-doubt? Um, I, do, I do think, I hate saying this, because I do think it's one problem that I don't have. Right. Um, it's a problem. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it comes back. I think there is, a, the, if you look at the data, there is a gender split in it. Yeah. Um, and I think it, um, I think it comes back to my parents. Right. Who would always, um, I think Irish people are quite good at, there's a lot of saying like, don't, don't let the bastards get you down yeah. and you're as good as anyone else and yeah. all this kind of stuff. You are just taught that, taught that mantra at the same time to be humble. Yeah. So I never, I never doubt Wonderful. I never doubt, but I, but all but the second part to it is goes back to community, which is, I am not a lone wolf, and I would never do anything on my own. Right. So it goes back to my wider definition of alumni yeah. and you. I always feel like I'm a team of like 50, 60 people. Yeah. Um, and it's all part of again like the helping thing. Mm. Like you help people. If you pick up the phone to someone else, you can pick up the phone back to them. So I just think if I don't know something, I'll know someone who does because of. I try and expand my network all the time. Yeah. Um, and although I talk about Chris, my business partner, there's really 10 or 15 of us that have worked together for 10 years now. Mm. Um, so I just feel like between us we'll be able to work yeah. out. Yeah. So I hate, I hate admitting I never have self-doubt. No, I think, it's, I don't want to sound I arrogant. think it's wonderful. No, it's not arrogant. And like you say, when it's balanced with, you know, this lovely, this, this kind of, um, you know, feeling that you, you, you know, you can achieve... And also having that humble side to your nature, um, I think it, it you know, it, it comes across really well. We're in a, the winds getting up, isn't it? The yeah, door's yeah. so if it, <laughs> all the crashing about. It's um, it's just yeah, stuff being thrown around the garden. Um, okay, how important do you? T- There's so many more questions, and we have to kick because look, we're we're kind of at the end of time. But I want to, if we can, just throw in another five yeah, minutes and move through quick. So, how important is it that you? Uh, do you think that we teach our children to show and express vulnerability? Because I know from something that happened with us recently, yeah. you expressed um, a sadness yeah. and a vulnerability, which I thought was, you know, kind of very, it was really touching, but it was lovely to see. And I don't like to, to stick men in a bit of a box, yeah. but men aren't encouraged generally to show yeah. emotion. So I think it's really refreshing yeah. when you see a man that can... Um, but how important do you think it is that we show and demonstrate that to our children and encourage yeah. them to show vulnerability? So there's, there's two, there's my personal answer and my data answer. Yeah. Like, you have to for your own mental health, well-being yeah. and, and fitness. But again, I, I was raised like that. So if you, my dad, to pitch my dad, he looks exactly like Michael Penn. That's healthy. <laughs> but for all the stages, <laughs> when he was younger, yeah. older. Oh. Um, but he's... If, you might describe him as an alpha male if you met him. Yeah. But 
he's very caring, and I've seen him cry loads of times. So I've never like worried about that. No. And he's told me stories of his. So I never met my granddad. Yeah. Um, but because I have heard so many stories about him, I feel like I have. Yeah. Um, and I've heard loads of stories about him crying. Um, like when business was going well or not going well. So there's no stigma attached. Yeah, to and it. people forget how bad it, how we're in Black Lives Matter at the mm. moment, um, how badly Irish people were treated yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Um, and I've got all those stories mm. in our like psyche, so yeah. I know all that sort of stuff. So I never felt uncomfortable being in that situation. But two, when I got when we got into the happiness index, we're learning so much as we as we go and neuroscience has helped us understand it even yeah. more that one of the things I've started to learn if, if, if I started the happiness index again now yeah. it would be called the emotions index um, and it would be about all your emotions so to give you a couple of examples anger is highly uh, related to creativity as an example mm. as is um, happiness or performance so what's really important have you watched the Pixar movie Inside Out no, I haven't. It's no. really important. All your emotions that you have, like anger, love, hate, uh, desire, everything, they all have a place to play. Yeah. Um, and I think the problem with the word happiness index is index makes people think that high is, ba- is good oh, and low is bad. Oh, that's a good point. Um, and it's our own learning as well, yeah. because even in our own internal use of it, yeah. we used to say, right, we've got a benchmark. We want to target everyone in this company to be 8 out of 10 happy. Right. But the problem with that is that creates like a cult of happiness. Mm. Because like uh, that situation I told you when one yeah. of my friends died, yeah. it would be abnormal for me to have been happy that week. Exactly. Um, and what was the phrase you used to me about sit with it or something? Yeah, I but said, if you've got to feel it to heal it. Yeah, so that, that sums up, you summed up your own, uh, that yeah. is the answer to your question, yeah. which is you have to feel all these emotions and then understand why, why yes. are you having that emotion? Yeah. Which is why um, alcohol is such a bad thing. Mm. Um, and I do drink and I've cut down massively. Yeah. But I remember my coach saying to me, when things were really stressful, I used red wine to medicate because I was in like, we were in our early 30s yeah. and suddenly we're managing these million pound media budgets. Yeah. People on the phone crying to me on a Friday night about this, that and the other. And you just to use a, a phrase that your friend Norris used, I didn't have the tools I hadn't learned the tools no. for experience. So I was using red wine to medicate. Mm. And what my coach said is, all you do is you push the emotion down the road. So that if you're feeling stressed about something and you have the red wine, you medicate, and then the emotion, in my case, will come back at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, exactly. I think about it then. Yeah, bite so, on the arse. Yeah, which means I've then lost sleep as yeah, well. Yeah. So I've learned now. And then you can't cope even more with those yeah. emotions. So I've learned to let the emotion in yeah. um, and my path has come from my parents but also from now understanding the data and getting more interested in it yeah. that whatever it is you're, whoever's listening to this whether you're feeling whether you're feeling jealous because your best friend's just got a promotion and you're uncomfortable with that or you've just you're, you've given birth um, and you're, you're you're feeling like I don't know if I can connect with this child mm. or whatever you've just got to feel the emotion and then yeah. work your way through it. Yeah. Um, but that's come from experience and data. Yeah. Does that answer your question? It does. And actually, it's brilliant because you've really turned me on to this whole data thing. I just love what you're, the, 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 the path you know, that it's taking you along yeah. and I'm learning with it. Yeah. And because my coaching style is a bit more co-therapy, 
Yeah. It's all about recognising emotions, sitting yeah. with them and, and accepting, but yeah. not overreacting to, to thoughts and emotions, you know, yeah. just observing yeah. your own emotions. So I really like that. And, you're, and what we say is your emotions are, is your body giving you data. Yeah, of course. Just like pain yeah. is. So if one hits you on your hand, yeah. that pain is, yeah. is your brain giving you data on it. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love that. And, and once you start looking at it that way, then things like where people say, oh, we should be... I always say, you've got to be careful. Even though I'm a data guy and a geek, some people trot out, oh, you've got to be data-driven. Mm. Um, I think that, for me, it's insight-led, not data-driven. Yeah. Because if you jump... The ability for us to collect data at the moment is still in its infancy. Right. Um, and the thing that's been evolving for millions and millions of years is us out of the seas, along our evolutionary yeah, path, yeah. our bodies have evolved better yeah. than any artificial intelligence mm. or any piece of technology I can build in my company. Yeah. So your body is bringing in intelligence and data all the time. The issue is biases. So where you get a bias in, so you might feel uncomfortable, uh, a white guy might feel uncomfortable when, um, and I'll make this gender specific, when he sees a six foot seven black man. Mm. Because his instinct might be, well, this is someone who's bigger than me. Yeah. I've built up this like yeah. unconscious bias yeah. about what a black person yeah. is. I don't want to hire that person. Mm. So I just use that example as a white guy about how and another white guy may feel. Yeah. So your body's giving you data, but you've also got to understand, is it, have I built a bias in that data? Yes. So it's awareness. You've got to question the data. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, brilliant. And that's why all these things right. like unconscious bias yeah. training and stuff like this are, are coming, yeah. coming out. Yeah, and and it's all it all you know is impacting the way we think, and especially with BLM, like you, the conversation you have with Norris. Anyway, look, I'm going to move us to the third course. Yes. Um, I doubt we'll get to the food fight. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> But let's whiz through these really, really quickly. And my dad always said, when you get to the third course, you need to release a notch on your belt. (laughs) But but we're going to keep our belts truly tightened. What's your first memory? Just quickly, what's your first memory of eating out? You can pass. But if something springs to mind... (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, Wimpy. (laughs) Wimpy! Oh my God, I loved the Wimpy! (laughs) We used to go to the Wimpy in Southgate. I loved it. I missed it when it went. Okay, what's your first... Food yuck memory, like oh my god, I hate that. Can't eat that. Kidney. Kidney. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, I get that. I actually <laughs> will eat kidneys, but I do get that. Um, what's your pet hate in restaurants? Um, other diners not being chilled. Oh, I like that. That's a completely different. That's good. Yeah. And there are high expectations and not even knowing what it's like to work on yeah. a floor, yeah. Sometimes I see other diners mm. treat yes. the staff. Yeah. And I, I was in the, I was in um, near where we used to work in Holloway and I saw this person treat the staff member really badly. And I spoke to her afterwards and I, I said, how did that make you feel? Blah, blah, blah. I'm in a chat. And she said, oh, have you heard about Royal Service, Matt? And I was like... No, I don't know what you're talking about. And have you heard of it? No. So, people who, who act royally get royal service. So, oh, so what okay. she was saying is, yeah. I just treat them the way they treat yeah. me. So, she gets, they get, the way yeah. they are, that's cool, yeah. standard service. But people who come in and are really nice, mm. they're the people who access the royal service. All the nice little drinks yeah. at the end and stuff. And what I love about that is the douchebags out there mm. that treat people terribly, 
never know about it. No. They think that if they're going to shout at people and do yeah. this, that, and the other, they're going to get. They never truly know. They yeah. don't tap into what they could get. Yeah, but they probably don't. But they, they don't deserve. They don't actually deserve it. No, but, but that's why I love it. Interestingly, I coach teams, you know, front of house teams, to yeah. deal with people like that, and I t- I tell them that you're on a stage. You can you're you, you're playing a part, yeah. and people like that. You kill them with kindness. Yeah. You never come down to their level because yeah. the the more you feed into someone's arrogance and anger, yeah. the more you know they, they, they you're kind of building them up for more. Yeah. So actually, um, I, I I contradict you slightly, yeah. but I do say look, kill them with kindness. Because we've got an extra five minutes. Also, another thing to add to that, which I thought was brilliant, well, I travelled the length of France once, yeah. and what I realised going to a few places and not expensive places how much training goes into serving tables, etc., etc. And it should. Yeah, because I remember being at this place and they came up to us beforehand and said, "Um, this guy's training, do you mind if he just watches the table? He'll be standing there watching for the whole thing. An observation session. Yeah, which which would be weird if they hadn't told you that I was particularly watching your table. Yeah. But after a while, it's like yeah. a camera, you get used to it being Well, it's like, like when you're going into a theatre, you know, you have doctors working, yeah. and they bring in a team. Yeah. So it's a bit awkward when, yeah. you're, when you're pregnant and you're going, whatever. Yeah. Actually, that's what happens. Yeah. That's how you learn. So that, that, yeah. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. And I love that answer because it was, once again, coming from a, a really original angle. Um, right. On a scale of one to ten, okay, very yeah. coachy, this, yeah, sorry, yeah. the scale of one to ten thing. One being inedible, ten being master chef potential yeah. how would you rank your cooking skills um 3.5 to 4 <laughs> i like it very honest using the same scale how would you rank your table manners so think one being worse than your three-year-old son fred 10 being up there with queenie elizabeth uh 3.5 to 4 oh my god stop it i'm not going out for dinner with you <laughs> And what would Liz say if I asked her that, your wife, what would she say? Would she rank you in the same? Yeah. Oh, would yeah. she? Okay. Yeah, right, what's your panic scoff? What, what define that for me? Panic like... scoff as in if you were so really hungry and you just, you thought, oh God, I've got time, I just need to eat something just to satisfy the hunger pains, what would be the thing that you... Biscuits. Biscuits, yeah, right, and dipped into tea. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Whole packet, I can get. Yeah, exactly. Uh, crisps or biscuits for me. Okay. Can I also We're... clarify myself on the um, <laughs> cooking ability? As well? Yeah, go on. What I can do is quantity. So what I can do, if twenty people turned up, I could bang out a fry up. Wow. For loads of people That's quickly impressive. in time. But you're never gonna get. I'm never gonna be a fine dime. No. I can make people happy that. That have been working hard. I prefer that. And they bacon sandwiches for everyone. There's yeah. loads of eggs and stuff yeah. like that. I just can't make it look good and do okay. the bit. That's the fine. Next level. You yeah. won't get food poisoning. So I think we should notch you up on that. No, I'm, ha- I'm happy with where I am. All right. Okay. Look, we got two minutes. Let's have a quick food fight. No dilly dally. Let's get on with this. Cheese or chocolate? Oh, what? That's Cut that's cheese chocolate. or chocolate? chocolate? Come on, chocolate. Roast or fry up? Oh. I even made the noises thinking about it. <laughs> They're so good, I'll go fry up. Oh, I'm roast. Yeah. McDonald's or Nando's? Uh, Mackey D's. Oh, God, we're <laughs> the opposite. Beer or wine? Um, oh, that's so difficult. What, can I only, what, where, where am I? You did one or the other. You did this to me, so I'm doing it to you. Wine. Wine. Tequila shots or Jaeg bombs? <laughs> Definitely tequila. 
Me too. Soho bar or local boozer? Soho bar. I Matt, didn't think I'd say that, but I wanted to be Matt, honest. Matt, I would have had you as a Soho bar. Yeah, I wanted to say... Uh, Another but, 10 years, maybe, local boozer. It's because we haven't got any great local boozers around here. Oh, actually, we have. We the Winchmore's pretty good. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, <laughs> plug, <I> plug. <laughs> it's the randoms that you're going to bump into. No. I like... I like meeting new people yes. when you can be in a bar and someone... So eclectic. Yeah, I just... It's, it's the diversity of it. I yeah. love... I love... I wanted to say, so I sounded like a man of the people. Oh, no. I'm no, glad I just you... love... Yeah, Soho Bar. Yeah. You can still get a great pint yeah. in a, a Soho Bar or a good glass. That's what it's I about. I just love a random that will tell you their life story that's just flown in from somewhere. Right, look. Look at that. 44-31, Matt. High five. <laughs> So, this is my first podcast, hopefully the first of many. Yeah. Matt, I can't thank you You're enough. a natural. You should definitely continue this. Well, thank you. I love it because I just love chatting. You know me. Um, I really enjoy listening. You're, you, really, everything about you always inspires me. I love your integrity. I love your honesty. I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass anymore. I'm going to now say thank you very much for joining me. Over and out. Thank you for having me, Isabel.